debating whether to end in a peaceful way. <laughs> uh, that message from Stephen Kay this morning, thank you. We're relying on that peace this morning, and um, I'm reminded of the song, It Is Well With My Soul. That's a hard place to be, but um, by the grace of God, it is well with our soul. We printed a lot of these, and uh, so I left one in each of your seats um, as a reminder to ask you to pray for Josh and Hope and their family. Lisa and I want to thank you all for your love and support and um, your selfless work to minister to our family, the Annises and the Durhams, over the past week. Nothing prepares you. Thank you so much for yesterday, especially Mary and all her hard work. Your presence is proof of the love of God for us, and we are eternally grateful to be yoked together with each of you. I did not realize several weeks ago, a few months ago, when I started a series of messages on death, dying, and heaven, um, how much I would lean, how heavily on those scriptures in that study and in those messages with the sudden absence of solid joy. Obviously, it's still raw. But the best way I can think this morning of assuaging that uh, grief, that pain of loss, of her presence, is to focus on learning as much as possible on where she is and where we will be if we follow him. In John 13, 36, Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Where Jesus was going, no other man could go. The destination was returned to the presence of the Father. But the path he chose in order for us to be able to follow later required being arrested Accosted, beaten, condemned, abused, humiliated, crucified, and buried. Upon his death, Jesus' human soul was in paradise, along with the penitent thief who had received forgiveness by the Lord that day on the cross. On the third day, Jesus' soul was reunited with his physical body. The stone was rolled away and he walked out of the grave victoriously. At his ascension, 40 days later, he returned to the father and is seated at his right hand where he ever makes intercession for each of us, his bride, the church. Where Jesus had to go were places that no mere man could go. But because he of his own volition laid down his life as a sacrifice for the sins of all who will believe in his name and confess him before men and follow him in obedience, we will follow him into his presence when we lay down our physical bodies in death at our appointed time. 
We're clinging to the Word of God this morning by faith, believing in the goodness and faithfulness of God. The Scripture says in Romans eight twenty-eight through 30, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purposes. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren and these whom he predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified that is our hope in Christ Jesus knew me when he formed me in my mother's womb <laughs> he knew everything about me he knows the number of hairs on my head and he knows how many are gray. <laughs> he knows all that's behind, before, and in front of me. And the only way that any of us can ever enter into the presence of God is if we enter by Jesus the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through the Son. We cannot earn our way into the kingdom of God. We cannot wish our way into his presence. He has revealed the way by stepping out of eternal, the eternal presence of the Father, becoming a man with a physical body, encountering all the trials and temptations that every man encounters, yet without sin, and laying down his life as a sacrifice for those who will believe in his name, receive him into their hearts, and confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord. When we're moved by the Spirit of God to believe in the Son of God, we're made right in the presence of God. Jesus alone is the propitiation, the appeasement for our sins. And the Holy Spirit's work within us to reveal the truth of God and to develop the character of God within us is all to the glory of God. The Scripture tells us, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. We here this morning know these things to be true. We've experienced them to varying degrees for ourselves, and they resonate with us. His Spirit witnesses to our spirit, and we're hungry, and we thirst for more of Him. And in knowing and understanding to grow in Him, into the mature man and woman of God, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. With that background, I want us to consider this morning and build upon previous messages on death and heaven to consider some thoughtful, um, to have some thoughtful considerations, what I'm trying to say, of what the scripture reveals to us about the three heavens. Again, I want to acknowledge my spiritual mentor and forever friend, Dr. J.L. Williams, for the scriptural exploration that he's done and shared with me over the years, and hopefully I'm building upon that and distributing in a way that honors him. I have to warn you that I'm going to be, um, I'm going to inundate you with scripture this morning um, because God's word says so much about where he is. And where we will follow him too. 
So this is kind of a message slash study. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be reading a few of the verses and referencing the others. And maybe for the expediency of time, it would be better if I just share some of the scriptures and make available to anyone that wants the notes, the other references. I'd be happy to do that. Just let me know. So first, let's consider what we will call the atmospheric heaven. Genesis 1, 14 through 18 reads, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God said it was good. There was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. Here are several points about the atmospheric heaven. In the atmospheric heaven, we see the location of the sun, the moon, the stars, heavenly bodies. It's also where birds fly. <laughs> Genesis 7:23 and Psalm 104:12 says this, "Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches." The atmospheric heaven is where rain falls from. Genesis 8, 2, the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed and the rain from the sky was restrained. The atmospheric heaven, man is forbidden to ever worship any of the heavenly hosts there. We see that in Exodus 24 through 6. The atmospheric heaven will one day pass away with intense heat. 2 Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will all be burned up. In Revelations 21.1 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away and there is no longer any sea. The atmospheric heaven is where great signs and wonders will occur before the Lord's return. Matthew 24, 29 through 30 says, But immediately after the tribulation of these days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So there's the atmospheric heaven. The second heaven is the heavenly kingdom of Satan. You may never have thought about a heavenly kingdom of Satan. So let's see what the scripture says about this. The second heaven is a spiritual place, not a physical place. It's a realm that the Bible refers to in Ephesians 6, 12, when it says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The heavenly kingdom of Satan is the sphere where Satan or Lucifer was cast down to after he tried to ascend into the highest heaven to supplant God. 
Isaiah 14, 12 through 14 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You've been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. And I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And from that posture, Lucifer was cast down to the second heaven, the spiritual realm on the earth. This is also the sphere that Satan will be cast down from to the pit and ultimately into the lake of fire. Revelations 20 Verses 1 through 3 says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. And then in verse 10 of Revelation 20, it says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we've established that there is the first heaven is the atmospheric heaven that we can see with our natural eyes. And the second heaven is that heavenly heavenly spiritual realm where Satan is at work on the earth. So finally, let's look at what the scriptures say related to the third heaven or the highest heaven. The third heaven or the highest heaven is the dwelling place of God. Deuteronomy 10, 14 says, Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. Nehemiah 9.6 says, You alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their host, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them. And the heavenly host bow down before you. And there's several other references on all of these, but the second point, the highest heaven or the heaven of heavens is the location of God's throne. Psalm 11.4 says, The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, His eyelids test the sons of men. And Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His sovereignty rules over all. The highest heaven is the dwelling place of angels. Matthew 18.10 says, And Jesus said, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my father who is in heaven. The highest heaven is where Lucifer was when he was cast out, as we saw earlier in Isaiah 14. The tabernacle was a shadow or copy of the heavenly. Hebrews 9.23 says, Therefore it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. 
a little complicated. You have to meditate on that one. Verse 22, it said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. As Tony Evans points out in his commentary regarding these verses. So Christ didn't enter an earthly sanctuary, but into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God for us. In other words, Jesus didn't enter a man-made tabernacle that was a copy and a shadow of God's presence to offer an animal sacrifice that could only provide temporary external purification. This had been done every year over and over. Instead, Christ offered the sacrifice of himself to remove sin, internal and external, once for all so that he might appear in God's presence for you and I in heaven. Jesus isn't the copy. He's the real thing. His sacrifice doesn't have limited application. It endures forever. The highest or third heaven is the heaven that Christ came from for the incarnation. John 3.31 said, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is from the earth and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And 638, for I come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. The highest heaven or third heaven is also the heaven that Christ ascended to. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 through 9, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Jesus Passed through the heavens, Hebrew 4.14, Hebrews 4.14. Jesus exalted above the heavens, Hebrews 7.26. And Jesus ascended far above all the heavens, Ephesians 4.10. The highest heaven is where Christ sat down at the Father's right hand. Ephesians 1, 20 through 23, he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The highest heaven is where we are seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The highest heaven is where he intercedes for us. The highest heaven is where his glory is seen. It's where Christ will descend from at the rapture and the second coming. 
1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The highest heaven is where the Holy Spirit was sent from on the day of Pentecost. 1 Peter 1.12 It's where God's word is eternally settled. For truly I say to you, Jesus said in Matthew 5.18, For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. The highest, <clears throat> the highest heaven is where the citizenship of the Christian is. Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Believers' names are written in the highest heaven in the Lamb's book of life. It's where the believers to lay up his treasure to. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 20 through 21, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The highest heaven is where the believer's affections are to be. Colossians 3.1, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. The highest heaven is where the believer will be rewarded with his imperishable and undefiled inheritance. It's where they will receive their crowns, and it's where they will be, there will be degrees of reward. There's much more that we can mine from the word of God regarding heaven, but not this morning. I just hope this has given you a sense of the expanse of the heavens that Jesus compressed himself from to become a man, to become a tiny baby that we'll celebrate at Christmas, that grew into a man who was also a lamb, born to die to set captives of sin free. This morning we've scratched the surface with these verses from the Word of God regarding heaven. The three heavens in Scripture. The atmospheric heaven where we observe His handiwork. The heavenly realm of Satan where we do battle. And the heaven of heavens or third heaven or highest heaven where He resides and where we will follow Him too. This is where our beautiful cell of joy is. Jesus receives the little children unto himself. It's also where other saints that have gone before us are in his presence awaiting his second coming. The dead in Christ will be rise first, and we who believe in him 
and are still alive. We'll meet him and them in the air. At his coming, those who have gone before us will be reunited with their glorified bodies. And we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye to be like him. For we shall see him as he is face to face. I love that thought of seeing Jesus with a twinkle in his eye. In closing, consider the power of these words in 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58, where Paul writes this. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, behold, I tell you a mystery. Not all will sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. Goodwill to all men. This morning, consider the goodness of God to provide the way for us to follow him into the presence of the Father. There's more of us for us to learn and lean on in the days ahead regarding our future with him and in heaven. But let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that is such um, a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. Thank you for how your word reveals the truth of Jesus. Jesus was the plan all along. Jesus, I thank you that you, of your own volition, limited yourself from more than we can comprehend. You encompassed all that you've created and more, but you became a tiny baby and lived a life among men to understand where we are. And you did it without sin. And then you laid down your life of your own choosing. No man took your life. You gave it up. Because that was the plan. We can't imagine how difficult that was. But God, we're so thankful that you carried out the plan. Your Father is at work and you are still working and the Holy Spirit is working and Lord, we recognize that we can look into the to the heavens and we can see your handiwork. We look into the scriptures and we can see your truth. We look to Jesus and we're set free. When we're set free by the Son, we're free indeed. Thank you, Jesus, for bearing my sin. 
Thank you, Jesus, for seeing me as I will be. Thank you, Father, that when you look at me, you see Jesus. You see blood covering me. The precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that because of Jesus, we've been justified. We thank you that in Jesus, we've been given new life, a new creation. We've been given abundant life. And we've been promised eternal life to be in your presence forever. What a glorious gospel. What good news to share with the world around us. Thank you for your power and your glory. We worship you, Lord Jesus, and we look forward to seeing you face to face. That twinkle in your eye that changes us into your image, into your glory. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.